3: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, some drivers of electric vehicles have been surprised to find they cannot access AM radio. That's because automakers have been phasing out the radio band. But that move is now getting bipartisan pushback, including from some California lawmakers. Conservative talk radio dominates on AM But it's also vital to Cantonese speakers in San Francisco, Latino immigrants in the San Fernando Valley, L.A.'s elderly Korean churchgoers, and the state's rural communities. We look at the surprising resilience of the AM band as it faces an uncertain future. Join us. Welcome to Forum, and welcome members of Forum's new Discord community. I'm Mina Kim. Republican and Democratic lawmakers don't agree on much, but one thing they seem to agree on lately is the importance of AM radio. Here's Ohio Republican Bob Latta.
0: AM radio has been an integral part of our society for well over a century, connecting Americans to local news and serving as the backbone to our nation's emergency communications infrastructure.
3: And here's California Democrat Doris
4: Matsui. AM radio can provide consumers local coverage, they can't get anywhere else. And in many areas, AM radio is broadcasting in Spanish, Vietnamese, and other language spoken in the community. So in many ways, AM radio remains a lifeline.
3: So why were these lawmakers speaking up for AM at a congressional hearing in June? Several automakers are phasing out AM radios in their electric vehicles because they sound bad when installed near electric motors. This hour, we're going to look at the future of AM radio and the role it plays in California's diverse communities. And joining me is Katie Thornton, journalist and host of the Peabody-winning podcast series, The Divided Dial. Katie, thanks so much for being on with us.
2: Absolutely. I am so happy to be on Forum. Thanks for having me, Nina.
3: Yeah, glad to have you. So tell us why Republican lawmakers in particular, including Senator Ted Cruz, uh, some of the, they're some of the loudest voices campaigning to save AM radio.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this really is a bipartisan push, but certainly um, there are a lot of vocal Republican lawmakers and attorneys general who are speaking on behalf of AM radio. Um, You know, as we sort of heard in the clips that were played at the top of the show, a lot of the rationale for this is, you know, supporting local news, providing an anchor to local coverage, to local reporting, also to emergency alerts, um, you know, especially for folks in rural areas who may not have other ways of accessing some of this emergency alert information. You know, they may not have reliable data or Internet connection. And so the sort of uh, main reasons that folks really across across the political spectrum um, are are saying for their support of, of AM radio is this sort of connection to local media, to local news. Um, that's something that absolutely exists on the AM, right? On the AM band, and as we heard in those clips, is really vital to a lot of different people in a lot of different communities. Um, and also the story is, as one may imagine, a little bit more complicated than what we hear in those congressional testimonials.
3: Uh, the story being the fact that conservative and far-right pundits, I think you said it in a piece, have claimed near dominion on AM talk radio.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean, I think there's a very different uh, sort of reality what you hear between these congressional hearings, you know, the sort of importance of local news that you hear from uh, people across the political spectrum versus what you hear when you actually turn on AM radio and specifically nationally syndicated conservative talk radio, which is what a lot of AM radio is. It's certainly not all of AM radio. But, um, you know, these nationally syndicated, largely conservative voices do dominate talk radio on the AM band and on the FM band, but on the AM band in particular. Um, and so if you listen to AM radio, the reasons that you're hearing for that folks want to advocate to save AM radio on these nationally syndicated conservative talk shows is because, you know, it's, it's much more in line with these claims of, of censorship that, um, you know, this is a place where conservative voices dominate. And so they, the sort of ambiguous powers that be, don't want these perspectives to be heard.
3: Yeah, there have been some suggestions of political sabotage. I think Texas Senator Cruz was saying that... uh, Quote, there's a big reason big car companies were open to taking down AM radio. Let's be clear, big business doesn't like things that are overwhelmingly conservative. But that said, explain to us why automakers and which automakers are phasing out AM from electric cars.
2: Right, sure. And I think I'll just point out the sort of irony of of Ted Cruz's critique of big business, I think is really glaring there. Um, But, you know, AM radio has always been the sort of farther reaching, but less uh, sonically clear uh, alternative to FM. AM was sort of the first uh, type of commercially available and accessible uh, radio band that was available to to Americans, you know, starting over 100 years ago. (laughs) FM really sort of came on the scene much later, sort of in the mid-century and really grew in popularity in the 70s. And it could reach a lot less far, but it was much more clear than AM. So AM has always been sort of buzzy especially after fm radio came on a lot of the music stations went to fm and am really became the domain of talk radio you know it reaches far it penetrates obstacles really well um and it's really sort of good for the this- hawk medium, especially. Um, but the problem is that as there have been more and more electrical appliances introduced in our life, more of these appliances are sort of operating at, at similar wavelengths and similar frequencies to the AM band. And so as we've become more reliant on electric appliances over the last hundred years, there's been more and more interference on AM. And that is especially true with electric vehicles. It's even more sort of shaky, unreliable, buzzier hard to pick up. Um, then folks might be used to hearing on the AM band just in their normal internal combustion engine vehicles.
3: Is there a reason to believe that automakers would ultimately phase it out of non-EVs or cars with internal combustion
2: engines? Yeah, that's such a good question. And this is why this sort of got a lot of press earlier this year, because in a move that surprised a lot of people, um, listeners and folks in the industry alike, Ford had actually come out and said that they were going to be going the way of a lot of other vehicle companies who were making electric vehicles and phasing AM radio out of electric vehicles. But they also went a step further and said that actually for their new fleet of vehicles starting in the next year, they're going to remove AM radio from all vehicles. That really, really surprised a lot of people. And that's where a lot of this sort of pushback started, you know, phasing AM radios out of electric vehicles is, is nothing new. There have been some electric vehicles on the market for eight years or so that have not had AM radios, you know, Tesla, BMW, Audi, Volvo, um, they, they already don't have AM radios in their vehicles. Volkswagen and Mazda have announced that they'll be phasing them out next year. Um, Mm. But Ford did announce and has since gone back on their, on their decision Mm. um, that they, that they would remove AM radio, even from internal combustion engine vehicles.
3: Yeah. Though it's already gone in Teslas, I think BMWs as you said don't have in some models, Volkswagen, Mazda are phasing it out. So people are getting a little bit nervous including on the other side of the aisle, Democrats like uh, California's Doris Matsui who we heard from who represents Sacramento, parts of Yolo and so so on and and also in Southern California, San Fernando rep Tony Cardenas has also spoken out. Why are they big proponents of AM?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, the sort of top line messaging is often very similar. It's a connection to local news. It's, um, as we heard, a connection to local coverage. Um, But I think especially for, for the folks who we heard from and who you just mentioned, there's a big emphasis on the fact that AM radio, even though it may be dominated by these nationally syndicated conservative talk voices, that is far from what is, you know, that's far from the extent of what can be heard on AM radio. AM radio is generally generally considered the most affordable way to get on the broadcast spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so AM radio has often been... The home to a lot of non-English language programs, a lot of locally owned and independently owned stations that kind of hang on against all odds in this increasingly consolidated medium. Um, and, and so, there's a lot of non-English non-English language programming. There's much greater diversity on the AM band in terms of ownership than there is on the FM band. You know, it's still far from an equitable space, but. Um, there is is much more diversity in terms of, of race and gender and ownership of AMs and there is FM stations. Um, and, and it really sort of provides a a lifeline, anywhere from you know entertainment to a lifeline for a lot of different communities.
3: Yeah, can you talk about KYNR on the Yakima Reservation in Washington State?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So KYNR, I, I had the, the privilege of, of speaking with some folks from KYNR um, for a story I did for The Guardian about this sort of phasing out of, of AM radio in vehicles. Um, KYNR is a station that reaches about 60 miles that is based on the Yakima Reservation, as you mentioned. Um, they have been around for, for several years. They're a station that has local coverage, a lot of music. Um, the person who I spoke with, who's program director, also has. Um, an oldies show that he's been doing for many years. Um, They broadcast local news, they do live streams of powwows and other local events. Um, And they're uh, in many ways, a sort of quintessential local AM station. Um, They're a vital resource in the community. They also do not have an FM simulcast. They, you know, budgets are tight in the media industry generally and radio. And they do not have the available budget to, say, make a web stream. And so in many ways, that station is representative of of what a lot of these remaining local AM radio stations are, stations that have vital local information that haven't had the resources, you know, without being part of a big chain media conglomerate, they haven't had the resources to get on social media, to get on web streaming, to get on FM. And so they're really only heard on the AM band.
3: You mentioned earlier that AM can get through a lot of obstacles. What do you mean by obstacles?
2: Right. So this could be anything from, you know, buildings to mountains. Um, AM radio penetrates terrain much better than FM radio does. It reaches a farther distance. And so especially for folks who are living in rural areas and away from major population centers and away from major media markets, FM is often sort of the most uh, reliable, you know, consistent thing that they can pick up, even if the audio quality is comparatively lower to what you would hear on an FM station.
3: We are talking with Katie Thornton, freelance print and audio journalist and host of the podcast series, The Divided Dial, which is made with WNYC's On the Media. And I want you, our listeners, to join the conversation. Do you tune in to AM radio? If so, what for? What role does it play in your life? Have you relied on AM radio in an emergency since it is a go-to for emergency alerts? If you have an electric vehicle that can't access AM radio, do you miss it? You can email forum at kqed.org. You can find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, on Threads. At KQED Forum, you can call us. Our phone number is 866 733 6786. 866 733 6786. And this listener tweets Have been listening to the SF Giants on KNBR for decades. One night after backpacking all day, I got back to my truck in southern Utah and heard a 17 inning Giants game on 50,000 watt KNBR. And the Giants won. What a thrill! We need AM radio. It should never go away. We'll hear from more of you after the break. I'm Mina Kim. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Tomorrow, we'll talk about the wildfires that are devastating neighborhoods on the island of Maui and have taken more than 30 lives. If you've been affected or have a connection to Maui that you want to share ahead of the show, we want to hear from you. Feel free to reach us on all our channels. Today, we're talking with Katie Thornton about the underappreciated role AM radio can play for non-English speaking communities and in emergencies and so on. And you, our listeners, are welcome to join the conversation at 866-733-6786 by emailing forum at kqed.org, finding us on our channels at kqed forum. The listener writes on Discord, we can... Put a man on the moon, but we can't figure out how to put AM radio next to a car battery? Come on, keep AM radio. Tell us a little bit more about what the fix is to be able to put AM radio uh, next to an electric car motor, (laughs) Katie, and why some automakers are resisting.
2: Yeah, sure, sure. You know, it certainly can be done. Um, you know, Ford after announcing that they they weren't going to be including AM radios and electric vehicles because of the poor reception, you know, they did go back on their on their statement. They are going to be including those AM radios. So clearly they ha- there has been a sort of technical workaround. There are ways to sort of block some of these frequencies. Um, It's an additional engineering expense. There's some speculation that it may also be an additional weight, you know, which is trying to be shaved off at every every sort of turn when making these vehicles in particular. And so it is is technically possible. Um, And although the car companies haven't necessarily come out and said exactly what their calculus is, you know, it's likely a a balancing of, of how much of an additional engineering expense it is versus how much they, they think it will be meaningful to their customers.
3: Well, Daniel writes, there are ways to filter noise on AM radio as coming from another electrical device. It would cost a little more, but so what? Automakers are not telling the whole story. I want to bring into the conversation now Irene Sanfong, Operations Director for In-Language Radio, which represents stations including the 24-hour Chinese language station KVTO AM1400. Irene, thanks so much for being with us. Of course. Thanks for having me. So, Irene, tell us about KVTO. What communities does KVTO reach and how?
6: KVTO is currently all Chinese in the San Francisco Bay Area market. Um, it started back in the early nineties as multi-Asian. We served the Korean community, Hindi, the Filipino community, but then, um, towards the end of the nineties and early two thousands, the Chinese format did better. And so it went 24 hours to Chinese. Um, and it is the only 24 hour Chinese station in the Bay area, um, it brings to the Chinese community news, information, um, local issues, lifestyles, music, sports, everything. It's basically what the Chinese community needs that is not on the mainstream for them.
3: So what role did KVTO play in your life growing up? And do you have any specific examples of ways that it did something for your family, like a call to action or something like that?
6: Yeah, yeah. Um, So back when KVTO first started, my parents were really excited about this and they kept their car station stuck at 1400 a.m. forever. Nobody could touch that (laughs) dial. And um, they were listening. So all the information they got was from there. Um, They felt connected to their community because everything is in there. Irene, are we losing you here? didn't serve them well and so they were able to connect to the community listen to um it um lifestyle shows like oh how should i cook this dish what is a better technique um i need help with this so people would listen in and chime in um they would um you know it's a small technic community there and so because listening to kvto they got a lot of news. They heard about the events happening in the community. And what they did was they started registering to vote. Before that, they said, I don't know what to vote for. I don't know what's out there. But the, um, the stations provided all that information. They mm. felt knowledgeable enough. They felt like they have to do something. They um, they felt that the Chinese voice needs to be heard. So they went out without much English they went out and got help the community got together and got the Chinese um, uh, you know certain ways where they can go get themselves registered they got the pamphlets they got the um, they got on they got ready for voting Wow! and um, they so that was that was their call to action and so the key ha- thing was yeah go ahead <laughs> The cute thing was, not only did they do that for themselves, they brought home voter registration cards for me and my brothers. That was very interesting. We're English proficient. We're adults. We could have gone out and do this ourselves. But they said, you know, you need to do this.
3: (laughs) And here they are. (laughs) That's that's a really cute story. Um, I I know that KVTO is also on 93.7 FM. How far does your FM signal reach compared to your AM signal?
6: The FM translator is only um, licensed for San Francisco. So outside of the seven by seven San Francisco area, you may get it, but it's very weak. AM though, 1400 AM goes as far North as Santa Rosa, as far South as even to San Jose might not be as clear in San Jose, but um, it still gets there. And then East wise, it would go beyond Contra Costa County and, Get this, we've had people calling in from Sacramento. Certain times when all the factors are aligned, they could hear us. So AM is definitely our dominant reach there versus the FM. So
3: how worried are you about the phasing out of AM in new electric vehicles? Do you really think it will have a big impact on your listenership? Or you? Yeah, go ahead.
6: Yeah, definitely. Because, as I said, outside of um, Sacramento, san francisco our our um, coverage would be lost so our listeners that drive outside of san francisco would not get kvto at all it would be zero so i am very worried and kvto because of what it provides to this chinese community and mind you chinese in the bay area makes up (laughs) over 20 percent of asians of the actually should say 20 percent of all ethnics so that's a Big community that would be left out if the AM is left out of cars.
3: Did I hear right from our uh, producer Caroline that you personally chose not to buy an EV in part because it didn't have the AM radio dial?
6: <laughs> that was one factor for Button. sure. Um, I'm biased, but that <laughs> I, that is one factor for sure. And I do drive my parents around. They they still kid and they say, "Oh, turn on fourteen hundred AM, please." Um, and for You know, it's just for me. Why? Why do they want to take it out? It is there. It, there is a very huge need in the community for it. So that was a, a deciding factor for me, I have to say. Well, Irene, I
3: really appreciate you coming on and talking with us. Thank you. Irene Sanfong is Operations Director in Language Radio. It represents stations including the 24-hour Cantonese language station AM. 1,400. We have Katie Thornton with us, freelance print and audio journalist, host of The Divided Dial. You know, one of the things that I am struck by in hearing Irene talk is that it sounds like it's a cost calculation uh, for these automakers. They don't want to have to add any additional costs. We don't know quite what it would be for them to add AM because they think that it would deter people from buying electric cars, but Irene is deterred by the fact that it didn't have AM.
2: Right, right. And I mean, I really just loved hearing from Irene because it really does go to show the power of of AM radio sort of across generations and across communities. You know, this can really offer a, a voice that isn't heard on other media platforms.
3: Well, this listener tweets, one can get more radio stations off the Internet than one can shake a stick at. If you can afford an electric car, you can probably Bluetooth feed your Internet enabled cell phone into your car. Another listener writes, I haven't listened to AM radio in years because it has such an obnoxious broadcasting style. But hearing in your introduction about all the communities it serves makes me think that the motivation behind eliminating it has to do with shaping a particular point of view. Um you were touching on the history of AM radio a little bit, uh, Katie, just before the break in our earlier segment. I'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit more about that 100 year history and how we are at this stage now where conservative talk is dominating.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. So, you know, as I was sort of saying earlier, AM radio was for a long period of time, it was sort of the only band that was available to most customers and listeners. Um, in the US, you know, until really the 1950s, 1960s or so, AM radio was all there was. It was all you would have the option to pick up on your home radio, your car radio, wherever you were listening. Um, so AM, really, AM radio really was radio for the first almost, you know, nearly half century of radio in the US. Um, there was a time, you know, from the sort of early days of, of the medium radio was a place where a lot of different voices, a lot of different perspectives could be heard. Certainly not everybody, but it was a relatively open, relatively diverse medium. And um, over the course of the 1940s and the 1950s, there were policies that were put in place that actually limited the type of speech that that could take place on the radio. Um, for a while, the U.S. government actually banned uh, discussion of controversial material on the on the airwaves, um, but that was reversed in the mid-century. And in the sort of 1950s and even into the 1960s, a lot of people were using new government regulations that sort of not, only, not limited speech, but actually encouraged the diversity of speech and a diversity of perspectives um, on the airwaves. A lot of folks were sort of using these government regulations that were in place To ensure that their political perspective could be heard on the airwaves, to ensure that their religious perspective could be heard on the airwaves. You know, there was a policy in place um, after these sort of very tight restrictions on speech on the radio that said actually, you know, radio stations have to address controversial material and they have to share multiple perspectives. Um, So in the middle of the century on on AM radio, since that's what there was, there was really a lot of different voices that were being heard on the airwaves. And, you know, conservatives and progressives alike sort of used those policies to ensure that they could be heard on the air. Um, As the 1960s wore on, there were many stations that were refusing to air coverage of the civil rights movement. And there was a big campaign within the civil rights movement Um, to use those policies that were on the books to ensure that stations did cover the civil rights movement and did give airtime, you know, to people who were working to end segregation. And there was a sort of uh, big legal changes and political changes that happened in broadcast media, media, um, you know, radio and television around this time that really sort of added to the diversity of perspectives that you could hear on the airwaves. So especially through the 1970s, the radio dial was really a place where a lot of people of a lot of different persuasions could be heard. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about the opening of the FM band. Yeah, FM band is crystal clear comparative, compared to AM radio. And so a lot of the music stations, which were sort of the stations that brought in the most cash, went over to the FM band because they could be heard so much more clearly. And that sort of left AM to struggle a little bit to figure out, you know, what its place was. And ultimately, talk radio, which had been done before, um, but it ended up getting a huge, huge boost in the sort of 1980s and into the 1990s. And this is where we see people like Rush Limbaugh, for example, sort of calling back on this earlier lesser known history of these sort of brash uh, right wing and left wing talk radio hosts who had been on the airwaves previously what's different sort of about rush limbaugh you know although the content had been on the air before is that he comes along at this time when all of these sort of all of these regulations that had been in place to encourage diversity of perspectives were getting eroded throughout the 1980s and into the 1990s. And at the same time that all of these sort of content-based regulations were were being winnowed away, there was also a sort of eradication of some of the economic-based regulations, things that kept a single company from owning too many stations across the country. There was a policy before 1996 that limited the number of stations a single company could own to 40 nationwide, In 1996, with the 96 Telecommunications Act, that number was removed, obliterated. That cap was removed. And, you know, within 10 years, one company grew to hold over 1,200 stations. Mm. And so that became really easy for these now massive, large media conglomerates to say, hey, let's do the thing that we've seen work on at least one occasion. Or let's put the show that we own, say, the Rush Limbaugh show, if you're Clear Channel, now iHeartMedia." let's just put it on a lot of our stations across the country because it's affordable and you know it seems to have at least some audience. And it ends up sort of getting these voices that we now think of as, as sort of wildly influential people like Rush Limbaugh, it ends up sort of getting them almost artificially large um, because they come around at this, this time when all of this deregulation and consolidation was coming to a head. There's certainly an audience for it, but it was more than just listener preference that drove that popularity
3: we're talking about AM radio following some automakers decisions to phase it out from new electric vehicles and and the reason why that's getting bipartisan Pushback. We're talking with Katie Thornton, and we're talking with you, our listeners, at Uh, 866-733-6786. You're also posting your thoughts on email and on social, and this listener writes, I cannot receive FM on my Chevy Volt, and I'm forced to hear AM unless I pay hundreds of dollars for diagnosis and repair. It's pretty horrid just listening to advertisements or screeching and preaching. The Black News Network is okay, but still ads, 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 constantly. Another listener writes... I'm a truck driver and travel across the country. Although I'm not on AM all the time, it is a crucial mode of communication for local communities, tribal radio, startup voices, non-English speaking audiences, emergency notifications, special events, education services, and other important information for local communities. In a time when communication facilities of cell, satellite, and FM are working, but subject to massive failures, it is just prudent and wise to keep a reliable backup system as AM provides for us katie could you just talk about what democrat massachusetts democrat ed markey is trying to do what his legislation is calling for
2: yeah absolutely so there is currently um the am radio for every vehicle act and this would basically require automakers at no additional cost to ensure that there is an am radio in every vehicle this has gotten a lot of bipartisan support um it recently uh Pass within its Senate subcommittee, and so it's going to be debated on the Senate floor um, after the August recess. Um, and this has gotten a lot of bipartisan support, so I'm definitely very, very curious to hear how that will go. You know, and if you look at sort of the, the groups that have been supporting this bill, you have everyone from uh, Salem Media Group, which is uh, bills itself as the country's largest conservative Christian multimedia company in the country, Um, It's the focus of The Divided Dial, the podcast series that I did with WNYC's on the media last year. You have everyone from a a large conservative, explicitly conservative media conglomerate like Salem Media um, to groups like NABOB, for example, um, the National Association of Black-Owned Broadcasters, who has been very vocal in supporting this policy as well. And so it's really sort of bringing together folks from from who are looking to keep AM on the dial and in vehicles, yeah. um, for a whole host of different reasons.
3: Well, the LA Times quoted the VP of an automotive lobbying group that basically said mandates are a blunt instrument, especially for a technology that has declining listenership. Do you think they have a point there as a blunt instrument?
2: You know, I do. I do think that um, the the sort of emphasis on on mandates has been really surprising to me in many ways, especially because you know, there are a lot of conservative lawmakers who are are gunning for this law. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, pretty antithetical to a lot of traditional conservative politics to intervene in the market in that way, to have the government, you know, mandate. Yeah. Um, so I think that the the irony is not lost there. But I also think that, you know, Ford, I think that auto companies, uh, automakers are, are taking note that Ford went back out on their sort of that they were going to remove AM radio. when like, yeah. they got a lot of this pushback. They yeah, that's going very, notable.
3: very notable. Very notable. More Forum after the
0: break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.
3: You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. More than 80 million Americans listen to AM radio monthly, mostly in their cars, according to Nielsen data. And we're talking about California's AM stations and the communities they serve. Here's California Representative Tony Cardenas.
6: In Latino communities, like the one I represent in the San Fernando Valley, radio is one of the most powerful and far-reaching forms of media. In November of last year, Nielsen Media Research reported that 97% of Latinos over the age of 18 listen to radio in some form every month. This phenomenon is not unique only to the Latino community. Racial and ethnic minorities in my state and across this country turn to radio for content that is more inclusive of their stories, their culture, and their experiences, and their languages.
3: We're talking with Katie Thornton about... The Divided Dial, her podcast series that looked at uh, how the right came to dominate U.S. talk radio, and she's also been writing a piece recently in The Guardian about how new electric cars won't have AM radio. Listeners, do you tune into AM radio? If so, what for? Have you relied on it before, say, in an emergency, or have missed it because you have an electric vehicle that doesn't have it? Do you think we should legislate to save it? Share your thoughts at eight six six seven three three six seven eight six. Find us on social facebook instagram threads email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org join our discord community and uh let me bring into the conversation right now lilia galindo host and producer of the radio talk show cafe con leche on kuty hermosa 1470 am lilia thanks so
4: much for being with us all uh, right good morning thank you for inviting me it's a so interesting conversation Yay. Well, I'm
3: wondering who Café con Leche serves and with what kind of programming?
4: Uh, Do you know Café con Leche was created and produced for my husband and I? Uh, There was no any kind of shows like this one because this is community oriented. I have the opportunity to receive a, a formal education. I am an economist and I have a master's degree in public administration And since there were so many conflicts in this area and I was laid off, somebody invited me to a radio program and I saw the need to communicate with the population about all the rights that we have as uh, immigrants in the United States and the opportunity to vote if we can and promoting education, learning English, computer skills. I have been on the air for 13 years, but I am the only one. There is no anybody else. In, in, in less commercial, I have I have to pay for the show, and produce it, and and do all the activities, and I have paid to the radio station a lot, and I see, for example, that they have like seven or eight radio stations in the same place, and all of them have internet access, except well, internet to broadcast in the internet, except the the radio, the Hispanic radio, fourteen seventy eight. So uh, it, I have been mm, I have been doing my best to motivate people to go out and vote because it's so important. We are so many Latinos and we have so little opportunities in here in the area in which I live. We are like 62 percent in one of the cities and 42 percent in the other city, and we don't have any representation or very few representation in board school boards in city city positions in any kind of position. We have like one or two representatives. and I have been trying to just to inform the community what is the way in which we can have a better quality of life because I believe that we are growing so much. Mm. And we we don't help the community to go ahead with everybody else. Everybody is going to go down. I believe so.
3: What kind of non-news programming does your audience tend to really enjoy or is really popular
4: do you know? Uh, 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 I did not. Uh, I did not understand your question. Could you rephrase oh, it? Oh,
3: sorry. The non-news. Like you, you mentioned that you also do quality of life
4: and and maybe even lifestyle things that your community loves. Do you know? Since I work in so many places, different places, I know a, a little of a lot of things. <laughs> I work in mental health, and education, in uh, in energy. In Mexico, I, I was occupying some positions, then I know very good because I work in Mexico with, with fishers, with farmers, with the uh, oil company, and so many, uh, so many things that I have learned. So I can talk about, we talk about everything. We talk about uh, immigration, about education, why it's so important that the children go every day to school on mm-hmm. time, yeah. because otherwise we don't have enough resources, and this is why we have the uh, really low quality of education. And little things like that, health, I have some sponsors like uh, Kaiser or or the hospital, the local hospital, who talk about uh, health because, you know, the Latino community doesn't have too much access to health services. So I am trying to do my best, and I have been for 13 years, and I will continue as long as I can.
3: I love your point about knowing a little about a lot of things that, that is spoken like a true host. Um, I'm curious. Uh, do you worry about AM declining as a medium overall? AM radio declining?
4: Do, do you know? I I believe that it's going to it's going to happen if we want it or not mm-hmm. because technology is advancing a lot. I remember since 2015 we were discussing that that the AM radio was going to disappear. Uh, then even uh, the FCC approved the that we could have an fm transmission also i since i started my program i tried try to use uh, uh social media i was connecting my radio in my house and then making my transmission to my website and in facebook and twitter and youtube doing the best that i can but do you know i think that the younger population they don't like to hear am anymore they are using the telephones and other other things. And I think that we have to adapt to the future. I don't know how. <laughs> we will continue maybe using social media and all that kind of the internet to communicate with the people that need the information. But I think that the the older generation is who really is supporting the, the AM radio station. That, this is what I believe.
3: Well, thanks so much for talking with us, Lilian, for what you do at Café con Leche. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. That's K-U-T-Y, Hermosa, 1470 AM. We've been talking with Lilia Galindo, host and producer of the radio talk show Café con Leche. You, our listeners, are joining the conversation with comments. We're getting a lot. This listener writes on Discord, It seems that we haven't made younger generations aware of AM radio and its diverse programming. If that trend continues, there might be no turning back. Let me go to Johnny in Silicon Valley. Hi, Johnny. Join us. What's on your mind?
0: No, I'm a writer down at on Strike, by the way but one of my dear friends is George Norrie and I helped produce on his program. Uh, it's in the evening. It's all about aliens, crazy fun stuff, you know, and it's, it's a follow on to the broadcast. Orson Wells, the most famous broadcast of all war of the world. So AM serves a lot of late night kind of fun sort of things. And it was fun working on that show. And it's just amazing. And like, you guys have an amazing show. It's just, I just don't want to see formats go away because mm. there's so few voices that people have an opportunity, you know, just to call in, right? We don't know who they are. That was the fun of it. You have no idea. right?
3: (laughs) I'll agree with you. Live call in or just straight call in is, is going away. Well, Johnny, thanks for the appreciation and for sharing what you got out of AM. So Katie, would you say that, you know, if AM were to go away or, you know, fewer and fewer cars would have it, that it would actually hit the smaller stations like Lilia Galindo's or Irene San Fong's more than it would hurt conservative talk radio.
2: Yeah, I think that that's absolutely the case. I mean, as we just heard from Lilia, the station that she's on, you know, doesn't have a web stream, whereas the other stations, you know, she said that as she looked at the other stations that are owned by the the company, that they do have a web stream, Um, you know, and looking into some of those other stations, it is a decent amount of, of nationally syndicated program programming. And I think it gets back to um, the comment that was made earlier by somebody online. Somebody said, you know, on your phone, you can pick up so many different stations. And so is there really a need for this anymore? And what I would say is that in one way, it's as much about the creator as it is about the listener. You know, there are AM radio is an affordable way for folks to get on to the broadcast spectrum. Um, it is not necessarily incredibly affordable to get onto a web stream with your AM signal. It's not necessarily affordable to archive all of your shows as podcasts, to be able to generate text searchable transcripts for every show, um, to get on YouTube, to get on social media. These things take time and these things take a lot of resources. Because of the way that these big media conglomerates that end up sort of sharing a lot of this nationally syndicated conservative talk because of the way those companies are structured, they have these massive economies of scale. Even if they're paying their hosts a lot of money, they're putting them on all of their dozens or hundreds of or or many of their dozens or hundreds of stations that they own across the country. And so they are able to have the funding to be able to get online. But a locally owned station that is sort of doing everything that it can to to get by or, you know, in in Lilia's case, uh, paying for brokered program, paying for on-air time, which is what uh, many, many folks are doing to get on the broadcast spectrum. Um, That doesn't leave a lot of excess time or funding to get out in front of all these other places that people might be able to pick them up. And the younger generations might be picking them up in podcasts, um, on YouTube. And so I do think that any sort of major changes that come to the AM band, they're going to be able to be weathered pretty well by these large conservative talk radio conglomerates and by any sort of large media conglomerates. I think it will be much, much harder for these local stations that are providing this sort of vital resource that that we're talking about today and for these local hosts.
3: Yeah. Well, this listener writes, other than the local unique programming, which might be foreign language-based in large cities, the majority of AM is dominated by right-wing political talk radio, national religious programming, and sports radio. If you take a long road trip through red states America, you will find very little diverse programming. Another listener writes, AM radio is the standard of radio listening for baseball and football, especially late at night. You can get stations late at night that you cannot get in the day without AM radio, the sounds you hear will not be inclusive of the world. Let me remind listeners that we are talking about AM radio, and you are listening to Forum on FM radio. (laughs) I'm Mina Kim. Let me go to caller Franz in San Rafael. Franz, you're on.
0: Hi. My observation is, with respect to AM radio, people who are disabled, shut-ins, can't get out a lot, AM radio is generally live, unlike even KQED recorded radio shows from yesterday live radio makes people feel like they're actually living in the world and they're connected to human beings.
3: Mm.
0: I, I think it's a very important thing.
3: A lovely observation, Franz. Thank you. Thank you for sharing it. One of the things Katie that, um, Lilia said that I was struck by was that she's trying to figure out because she does feel like inevitably AM will decline. Um, and, but she's not sure how to prepare for that future, uh, how are some people preparing for that future?
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, you know, this this answer is is more relevant to non commercial stations. But one thing I would say is that for nonprofits and non commercial stations, that community stations that are able to receive funding from CPB, the uh, that is sort of a, a big revenue. A stream, not a major revenue stream, but really sort of a a little bit of a buffer, the public funding that can support some of these nonprofit media outlets and and support folks who distribute NPR programs and others, and um, not exclusively NPR, but other community programs and sort of locally driven programming as well. So for non-commercial stations, uh, there's a tiny bit of public funding that can be available that can help generally support the station so that maybe there is the time and resources to get online or to get an FM translator. Um, but I would, I would really note, and this sort of goes to the point that, that somebody who wrote in made about the fact that overall conservative talk and religious talk and sports does dominate AM radio, um, you know, while it's nice and I think important to point out that a lot of conservative lawmakers are currently advocating to sort of save AM radio, I would also note that a lot of conservative lawmakers also right now are advocating to zero out uh, the public media funding um, oh, in their the CPB next...
3: funding that always exactly. is so controversial. <laughs>
2: Every year. And, you know, I, I would I would note that what the U.S. spends on public media is pennies on the dollar, not even not even pennies, like a penny and a half on the dollar compared <laughs> to countries um, like the U.K., for example. And yet it is so controversial. It's such a small amount of money, but it can be very helpful. And yet it is so wildly controversial every year. And it was just zeroed out in a in a, the House Appropriations Committee uh, proposed budget for the fiscal year of 2026. I, I don't think it's likely that that will happen. It sort of happens every few years. Somebody zeroes out the budget. Um, but I do think that that's a really crucial um, sort of support for these stations that do have this local component. And the limitation of it is that There is a lot of incredible work and local reporting and and local programming being done on commercial stations as well, as we've been hearing today. And that funding isn't available to those stations.
3: Well, the Zisner writes, you can buy an AM radio for under $20 and listen everywhere you go. This is not a crisis. Um, There has been points made that, you know, the likely overlap of maybe the unique diverse communities that would be hit hard if AM... Went away, um, and electric vehicle ownership or purchasing is not very high. Also, rural areas there's not a ton of uptake of electric vehicles. So, why are we so worried about this? What's your response to that?
2: Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good question. And you know, I'm from the Midwest. I live in Minneapolis. I, I was born and raised here, and there's significantly less infrastructure than there is. Um, you know, in parts of California for electric vehicles. And so this actually isn't as feeling as pressing, I think, to to folks in, in my media market. But I do think that because the catalyst was Ford saying that they were going to remove AM radio from their internal combustion engine vehicles as well, um, I think it really put onto people's radar that AM radio might be at risk and that the folks who are sort of making decisions about where this technology lives, you know, does it live in your car or not, might not be the most in touch with with listeners and with what listeners' wants and needs are. Um, you know, I think a lot of people were really surprised when Ford made that announcement because Ford is, you know, there are tons of AM radio listeners in Ford. I think it was, there was a stat that said something like 20% of AM radio listeners own a Ford. Um, And so I think that there's a sort of disconnect between some of the folks, you know, in the companies that are making these decisions, and listeners what they what they need and what they want. Um, And so while I do think there's sort of an immediate and impending sort of um, question to be asked, and sort of dire circumstances we've been talking about, you know, if it's removed from AM, if it's removed from electric vehicles, um, I do think that the sort of Bigger question and, and bigger concern is that this may be reflective of a general sort of deprioritization of the band and move away from, from AM radio. Hmm.
3: Well, Tina writes My mother only speaks Chinese and she gets so much information from 1400 AM, from estate planning, investments, cooking, and nutrition advice. She is more up to date on local politics than I am. Without access to the internet, 1400 AM is her all in one source for information. It is an incredible resource for the Chinese community. And Laura writes on discourse, discord, (laughs) Laura writes on discord, totally love the diversity on AM and the democratic essence of both its access and dispersal. I love road trips and AM radio has always so totally been a part of the view from my vehicle. Katie Thornton, thank you so much for coming on today and telling us all about this.
2: Lovely to talk with you. Thank you so much for having me and you're a great guest on the show. I learned a lot.
3: Me too. Katie Thornton, check out her podcast series, The Divided Dial. Also, her reporting, if you want to learn more about this, is all over the place. The Guardian piece is titled, New Electric Cars Won't Have AM Radio, Right-Wingers Claim Political Sabotage. Caroline Smith, thank you so much for producing today's segment. Thank you, listeners, as always, for your questions, comments, stories. You have been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim.
0: Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation.